hope everybody is doing well today. Uh, if you are our guest, if today is day number one for you to be here with us, my name is Dean. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, like I said, we're thrilled you've taken the opportunity to invest in your spiritual life. Uh, today, if you're watching online, you've tuned in, we're grateful uh, certainly that you are with us uh, as well. We are wrapping up a series today in the book of Ecclesiastes called Under the Sun. And the basic premise of the book is that all of life is meaningless, right? That he says it over 30 times, right? Vanity of vanity, everything's vanity. It's, it's, all, it's all meaningless under the sun. Solomon says, I've tried it all. I've tried money, I've tried power, I've tried pleasure, I've tried anything and everything to settle and satisfy my heart. But under the sun, if I live disconnected from heaven, if all it is is down here under the sun, this is all we've got, then man, it's, it's just misery. It's, 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 there's nothing to look forward to, but the reality is what he's kind of in a backwards way doing, he's encouraging us to live above the sun, to live connected to God above the sun. And if you live in an eternal relationship with God, which by the way begins right now, begins here, when you develop that connection, then all of a sudden everything down here has meaning. It has value. It has purpose. And so he's pushed us along the way. And the way that we've said it every week is that God offers us a full life in a very empty world, or at least what can feel like a very empty uh, world at times. And so for some people, we, we've kind of, you know, kidded around about the fact that Ecclesiastes can be a very depressing book. Like if you're just living under the sun, like you read it. And so if you're reading a, a depressing, sad text, how would you expect Solomon to end the book? Like that's where we're going today, last chapter. How would you expect him to end it? Here's how he ends it. We all die. Like that's the end of the, that's what he's gonna say today. We all, we all die. Now he's gonna approach it from a different perspective, right? He's gonna come at it from the perspective of legacy, right? And so um, he's gonna say to us that tomorrow's legacy begins with today's choices. Not your choices 10 years from now, not your choices 20 years from now or 30 years from now, but today's choices frame tomorrow's legacy. Now say, well, why is that such a big deal? Well, think about it. Like, so today for, I bet a lot of our, um, would, uh, our graduated seniors from last spring heading to college or trade school, that like this could be their last Sunday, right? And so from here, if you are a student, you're gonna be a freshman in college, really important moment, right, in your life. Because from here, like your, your paths are like, they could easily diverge. Like from here, as you take more responsibility for your life, you also take more responsibility for the patterns in your life, the patterns of your heart. And so you're gonna go on a path, you're either gonna get closer to God, God's gonna be more meaningful in your life, you're gonna live connected above the sun more, or you're gonna divert, you're gonna become a statistic, you're gonna go the other way, and you're gonna say, you know what, I've got other things I wanna do, and nobody's telling me what I have to do, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go this direction. So is important, but legacy's not something that you do when you're 80. It's built slowly over time. And that's where Solomon's gonna encourage us. He does it in Ecclesiastes, he does it in Proverbs, he does it in the Song of Songs, all the wisdom literature uh, that he writes. One of my favorite uh, verses um, from Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 20, verse uh, 29. It says this, the glory of young men is their strength, right? Young men walk around, they get their shoulders back, chest out, right? Strong, and, but it says this, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Love that verse, love that. One of my favorite verses um, in all the scriptures, right? Um, the book of Ecclesiastes, when you get to chapter 12, this is like Solomon um, 
It's like Solomon's just sitting us down. This is what, this is what old people do sometimes. They want to sit down and have a conversation, right? That's what Solomon is like. We, we, got, we got to make sure we got some things clear. Um, when I was young, my dad decided that he wanted to buy an industrial sprayer for his peach trees. And so somehow he knew a guy who knew a guy who had one he wanted to sell in Weirton, West Virginia. So I jumped in the truck with him one Saturday and we drove to Weirton. Listen, I'm not hating on Weirton if you're from Weirton or anything. This is a great town. But when you turn off the paved road onto the gravel road and off the gravel road onto the dirt road in Weirton and you head up in the holler, things get a little He's getting a little different, right? I remember getting out of the truck and a sow and piglets just walked right. They were doing free range stuff in Weirton long before that ever became popular, right? And we met this guy and we, so we go in to, uh, to his kitchen and we sit down in his house in Weirton and he wants to have a conversation. So we sit down with him. He pours my dad a cup of black coffee, gives it him, and he pours another cup of black coffee and pushes it across the table in front of me. I'm 11, right? <laughs> and I'll never forget, I kind of like this guy because he just said whatever he thought. Like, he was really mad. I remember at the commies, those would be the communists, if you don't know who that is. Like, he told us all the problems there. And he just said whatever, whatever was on his mind. And that's what this kind of is with Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12. Like, this is a black coffee moment. Solomon saying to younger people, sit down. I got something, got something that I want to tell you. I had forgotten uh, that this is my dad's, uh, one of his favorite passages uh, of scripture. I just wasn't thinking about it this week and I remembered it yesterday. And so when I called him, I called my dad just about every day, if not every day. And I said, hey dad, tomorrow morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 Verse one, what does it say? I was kind of baiting him a little bit, right? Uh, what is, what is it, what it remember? And I could almost see him sit up in his chair at home, right? And he says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days draw nigh, before thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Give me the King James straight up quote, because he has been thinking about his legacy for a long, long time. So I'll read it to you from the uh, English Standard Version. Uh, it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon's encouragement to us, this black coffee moment to us is, listen, while you are young, remember now. Not remember five years from now, not remember five months from now, not remember five weeks from now, remember now. There's a sense of urgency from Solomon. Remember now your creator and understand that what he's gonna talk to us about today is not always comfortable, right? We don't love talking about death. We try and turn it every way we, every way we can in our culture. We have insurance that we buy Specifically for the point in our lives when we expire, we call that insurance what? Life insurance. But how do you collect it? You got to die. But if you called it death insurance, no one would buy it, right? We could have named our church Death Point Church, right? But would you have come? You would not have come because we like talking about life. But here's what Solomon's going to say in Ecclesiastes 12. 
Listen, while our culture is, is, uh, is absolutely, our culture is anti-aging, just look at the infomercials. You can nip it, you can tuck it, you can shoot it, you can inject it, you can do all of the, while our culture is absolutely anti-aging, the scriptures are pro-aging because, because Solomon knows that even though the outside, even though our physical outside, our, our, our bodies are gonna break down over time, your soul can thrive. And it can grow. And what I see and sense in my dad, being 90 years old next month, 89 years old, sitting up in his chair, quoting Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, is that the inner man is growing and growing and thriving. So I'm going to read to you Solomon's description um, of what aging looked like from his perspective for the outer man. Now, as I do it, I'm going to invite Dan Osborne to come up to the stage. Dan is um, our new teaching pastor for our Worthington campus that's going to be launching here in uh, another four weeks, and we'll talk about the text um, as he comes as he comes up. He says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come, and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Most theologians think he's talking about the circular nature of weather and, and weather patterns. And the idea being that when you're born, you come into the world. All you do is eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. And if you live long enough, all you're going to do before you die, eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. Like it's just a cycle. It just goes over and over. It says, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, when you get older, your hands shake, when strong men are bent because your back um, begins to lose strength. The grinders cease. Your teeth, right, they're, they're worn down. And look through the windows are dimmed. You have trouble with vision. The doors to the street are shut. The sound of the grinding is low. When one rises at the sound of the bird because you can't sleep as well anymore. All the daughters of song are brought low. That's your hearing. They are afraid of what is high and terrors are in the way. The older we get, we don't feel as steady, right, when we walk. And so, um, you know, there's fear there. The almond tree blossoms, that's, that's your hair. And the grasshopper, I love this one. The grasshopper drags itself up. When it was young, it was a grasshopper. When it gets old, it's a grass dragger, right? When desire fails, right? Let's think about, think about Solomon. Um, so he has 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? And in American culture, certainly Western culture, like we think, oh, we have to solve this thing. Like this was a reality. And Solomon's like, hey, cup of black coffee, man. Here is what, here's what's coming. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel is broken at the cistern, and dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who, who gave it. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Dean, thanks for having me on this really cheery passage. Yeah, uh, I, I knew you could help us, like, I, get us out of the... I appreciate get us that. Out of, <laughs> so, just a little commercial about um, LifePoint Worthington. So, after the service is over today, um, Dan and Courtney are going to be over in conference room B, so if you live in Worthington, if you live in Columbus and you're driving up past there, man, we would invite you uh, to check out the Worthington campus, maybe come get to know uh, Dan and Courtney. No pressure that you have to go, right? We don't, we don't strong arm, right, and tell everybody you, you have to do this or whatever. But we'd love for you to pray about it and, uh, and prayerfully investigate it. And then beginning next week, during the 11 o'clock hour, you can come and attend at 930. And during the 11 o'clock hour, 
uh, Dan and some of our team who are going to be going the last service, probably what, 30 or 40 people were here from the core right. team. Yep. And so, and then folks from here, and then we have some folks who are coming from our Westerville campus as well who live in Worthington are all going to gather during the 11 o'clock hour in conference room B across the lobby for the next few weeks as they work on core team development, talk about our core values and those kinds of things, right? Yep. And we're really excited to get after that. I mean, I, I just got here on Tuesday, so there's a lot to learn about Columbus. If anyone wants to help me, uh, I'd love to have your help. Um, I've been asked a couple times if I'm going to be an Ohio State fan. It's, I don't even know why they're asking. I yeah, mean, right. just assumed, and, right, you will be. An and Ohio I'm, State I'm fan. born and raised in Chicago, so the only college football team we have is Northwestern. And even if you went to Northwestern, you don't care. Right. So, <laughs> um, what's like, their probably what's their chant you will work for us something like that what's their northwestern chant whenever they do at the football game ask someone who went there i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um anyway we're really grateful to be here and we're excited to get after the work uh the gospel work in worthington there's a good crew there uh and we know that there's there's hard soil uh but we believe that uh, jesus is going to bring transformation really really the thing that everybody else is looking for mm -hmm. especially in uh, a culture like Columbus where more and more people are kind of like post-Christian. They've, they've tried Jesus. Maybe they're on to something else now. Uh, and what I think we find in all of those pursuits is exactly what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Like, we're going to find a lot of vanity, right? But Jesus offers us something that's so much more rich and palpable and tangible. And we can't wait to see that take root yeah. uh, in a new church in, in Worthington. And we're looking forward to uh, to the launch right on the 10th of September, right? That's yep. going to be Sunday number one. That's uh -huh. the kind of we have mm -hmm. that circled yep. Yep, on the calendar. So, well, talk to us just a little bit about remembering, like save us from the, the sadness and the depression of the text. Yeah, I'll, tr I'll try. This, this passage is interesting. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes is a challenging one to sit down and read because when you just, you know, read through the first 11 chapters, you almost expect Solomon to get to the end. It'd be like, hey, here's the key to it all. YOLO. You only live once, right? right? Or, you know, you, like you do you because it, it's all meaningless in the end. It kind of has that uh, tone through mo most of it. I was talking to someone recently and I said, man, I feel like, I feel like reading Ecclesiastes is like sitting down with my friend who just went through a bad breakup. Like all yeah, of his advice right. is really depressing yeah. at, at first. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as you get to the end, I think Solomon gives us a pretty profound key to unlock what this book means and how we're supposed to use his words going forward. And uh, for me, I know we're both going to talk about uh, some different aspects of this, but the thing that sticks out to me is this word remember right at the beginning of chapter 12. You can look at it there if you have your Bible open. Uh, he starts off this way, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And there's something about that word remember. You know, I, I think I don't think we really have a category for exactly for doing what Solomon is talking about because mm. when we when we initially hear that word we might think of something like you know you know we might think of the reminders app you have on your iPhone or something like that like just a quick yeah. hey let me just call to mind this thing real quick and kind of move on to the next thing it, it actually helps you do what you need to do next beforehand but but like the Hebrew idea of remembering is something quite profound uh, that we don't really have space for in uh, our current cultural moment. Remembering is much more akin to uh, like uh, the word for meditating or reflecting. Like I was talking to uh, some friends of mine recently who are counselors and uh, we just got on the conversation of anxiety and how uh, they help, you know, folks that they're working with deal with anxiety and they have these, you know, things called grounding techniques. And what you do is you, you pause and 
you know, there might be a couple different ways you do it, but the, the point is it takes a moment to kind of recenter and not get so obsessed with the current moment uh, that you can actually start to make sense of the world around mm. you. And I think this word, uh, remember, is really close to this idea of grounding. Yeah. Because what Solomon is inviting us to do is to stop and pause, and he invites us into the quiet patience of looking back actually is really hard to do mm. because everything else around us is geared toward like get after the next thing get after uh, what, what can you produce what can you contribute what you know wh- what do I need to be doing now like what what yeah. is the next step to, to climb the next rung right like our whole uh, identity is kind of shaped around what we can offer in this moment and mm. and remembering uh, is kind of the the opposite of that because it says stop for a minute and you need to look back. And it doesn't happen in five seconds, I think. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. in five minutes, but there, there is this pattern that he's calling us to develop of looking back. And, and actually what he says to look back at in Ecclesiastes, that word only shows up really twice in this book. Uh, it's interesting, because you'd expect him to say right. something you know, maybe cheery, like, come on, Solomon. But the first thing he says is actually in chapter 11, right at the end in verse 8. He says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember, or the way it's written in the original language is a command, remember that the days of darkness will be many. And that, that's an odd thing to remember, to be called to, to remember. This idea that like, dark days are ahead of us. I think what Solomon is highlighting is this uh, fundamental truth that, that life as we know it actually is hard. And we, we go through deep seasons of hardship and uh, unmet longing and suffering. And, and I don't think Solomon's trying, he's not trying to cheapen that. He's not trying to say, you know, hey, it, it, you're going to have some of those days, it's going to get better. He's not trying to just move on and be trivial with it. I think he's trying to get us to remember and reflect on the, the reality that life Life is hard. We, we will all hit hard things. Some of you are there right now in a really hard season. Then he gets to verse 12. Remember also your creator, which is, you know, there's two sides of that coin because to remember your creator is both to, to look to, to someone uh, who is not you, who is ultimately in charge, who ultimately mm. has orchestrated what we encounter and experience in this life. Like we are uh, to, to look to the creator and at the same time reflect on the fact that we are created beings. We're not limitless. We, we have, uh, we can't spend our lives on the grind constantly getting after something else. We need to pause. And this is the kind of lifestyle that we're invited into. And I think as followers of Jesus, there's something uh, even more profound here because when we reflect on our creator, that we have been created, that we, we are creatures, we, we don't just look to this you know, distant God. We, we look to uh, you know, one who's a father mm-hmm. who knows us even better than we know ourselves, who, 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 who knows our cares, who hears us when we call, who invites us to bring all of our uh, anxiety, all the things that we're wrestling through in those dark days that he talks about. And our Father invites us, our Creator invites us to bring those things to Him. This is a joy and privilege we have as followers of Jesus. And so, you know, there's so much more we can talk about in this, but, you know, it's interesting that the, the book of Ecclesiastes, 
is written um, or is usually collected. Even today, like our Jewish friends will think of this with five other books of the Old Testament, and certainly they were doing this in Jesus' day. Uh, one of the books that they collect Ecclesiastes with uh, is the book of Lamentations, mm. uh, which, you know, if you know Lamentations, man, that is another breath of, you know, fresh air. Um, <laughs> super cheerful book about you know, Jeremiah reflecting on the destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, he's watching his world implode, and so he writes down this, this letter. But, but I think, you know, when, when we read Ecclesiastes in concert with what Lamentations says, because they go together, mm -hmm. uh, Lamentations actually articulates this perfectly, what it, what it means to encounter dark days, to live through dark days, and at the same time, remember our Creator that does something to your soul. And he says it this way uh, in Lamentations. He's talking about God here. He says, he, God, has made my teeth grind on gravel. He's made me cower in ashes. My soul, like the deepest level of me, is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And I know that I, I have been in that season. I know that there's many of us in this room right now. We, we know what it is like to forget happiness. So I, say my, so I say my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually, rem continually remembers it, right? I remember the dark days is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This is remember your creator. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mm -hmm. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, I think what Ecclesiastes is doing right at the end is inviting us into this new way of life, of engaging in the world around us, especially in the suffering and hardship mm -hmm. and the seemingly meaningless things we encounter to remember that dark days are reality, but to remember our Creator and find that His mercies are new every morning. Yeah, that's so good. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. your time. Would you guys thank Dan? Catch him after the service over thank here in Courtney. Thanks, man. You know, in, in alignment with what Dan was saying to us, I think part of it is that because we're so uncomfortable with this idea of what's coming and what's out in front of us, we, um, we're going to tend to distract ourselves with, in whatever ways that we can. And for a lot of us, that's just pace, right? I'm going to go faster. I'm going to do more. I'm going to go faster. I'm going to fill more of my life so that I don't have to remember because I don't want to remember. Because if I remember, then I think about what's, what's out in front of me. And I know that's not really comfortable, so I don't want to do that. And so we just fill it, fill it, fill it. Like, you know, for a lot of us, like you're working so hard and you're going to put extra time in and you're going to put time in on weekends and overtime hours. And you're, there's an author, uh, John Capozzi, who says the beneficiary of all your overtime and weekend work will be your wife's next husband, right? Or your husband's next wife, right? And the idea is that you're going to grind and grind and grind. And you're going to get to the point where you're going to grind yourself into, you're going to success yourself into, into the ground. And so Solomon calls us. He's like, look, there's a lot of people. I would say most of us in the room have the want to change. But there's not as many of us maybe have the will 
to be transformed, to put yourself in the position in your relationship with God where, where you're going to allow God to transform you, which is going to cause us to have to take a step back, to have to reflect and remember and allow God to do good soul level work in us if we're going to develop the kind of legacy that we really want to. There's a great example of this in scripture. Old Testament children of Israel come out of Egypt on their way onto the Exodus, headed into the promised land. They send 12 spies in, right? 12 spies go in. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, come back and they're like, we got it. God's promised. We've got the other 10 go, come back and say, oh, we saw the giants, the Anakim. There's no way we can defeat them. Joshua and Caleb are like, what? There's no way, God. There's no way the giants can defeat our God. Are you crazy? But the people side with the 10 spies. And out of that experience, there's 40 more years of wandering around in the wilderness until they get around to the second point of entry. We're going to try this one more time. And when they do, what's interesting is that Caleb, um, Caleb is still alive and for round two. And Caleb is the only person that I know of that the Bible says of him or of anyone, he followed the Lord fully. Not he followed the Lord partially. He followed the Lord about 66%. No, he follows the Lord, not perfectly, but fully. And when they're about to make this second approach to the promised land, here's what, here's what Caleb says. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong on this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Now, that can't be true, right? It's 40 years. He's 85, he's not 45, but he's not talking about, he's not talking about physical strength. Just as my strength was then, so is now for war, both for going out, for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim or the giants were there and then the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord would be with me and I shall be able to drive them out of the land. Isn't that incredible? 85 years old. And he's like, give me a mountain. I don't, not only do I want to fight the giants, I want to fight the giants while they've got the high ground, right? I don't know how you want to end this thing. I don't know what you're looking forward to at the end, what components you want to be in your legacy. And listen, there's, it's great. External success is great. But when you think about landing your legacy, man, I want to be like Caleb. I want to be, I, I want to model in some ways what God's doing in my dad right now, headed to age 90, because as his, like I said, the exterior, as his breaking down, his body's breaking down, man, the inside of him is thriving. I want to be able to say at 85, I want a mountain. So here's, here's how Solomon finishes Ecclesiastes 12, 12 and 13. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is weariness of flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Here it is. Here's the summary. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Life's about two things, loving God and following his word. It's the whole duty of man. He sums it all, he sums it all up for us. So I don't know if you've taken some time to think about how, what you want the legacy, your legacy to be. 
Do you have goals? I've got goals. I got three legacy goals. You want to hear? Well, it doesn't matter if you want to hear them. I'm going to tell you what they are anyway, right? <laughs> three legacy goals for me. Goal number one, I want to love Jesus. I want to love God. I want to follow and teach his word as long as this calling that he has given uh, to me to shepherd, to pastor uh, God's people, walk in God's presence. Like for me, that's goal number one. Goal number two, I want to be the best husband uh, to Angie that I can be. God has given me an incredible, incredible gift in Angie. We are 27 years uh, married, and we're talking recently how, man, the 27th year is as good, right, as any of the other years, and man, God has been super kind to us. And then the third one is I want to be uh, a great dad to my kids. Whenever I'm done, whatever, whatever the, the calendar looks like, I want my children to say he lived what he said he believed. Like what he said and how he walked were very, not perfect, right? I, I mess up all the time. I tell my, I apologize, right? I'm, you know, all, all, those, all those things. I don't, I don't want you to hear me saying that. But I want them to say, hey, what he taught us, what he said, the words that came out of his mouth, the values that he said he had, and the way that he lived, like those two things, he was... He was legit. He wasn't right all the time. He messed up a lot, but, but he was legit. That's the list. Now, there are other things, right? The bucket list things that you want to do or see or, or whatever, and that's great. But that's, that's the list. That's the legacy. Whenever it comes time to write the eulogy, right, for Dean folks in the funeral, like, what you, what's on your list right now? If I said, what are your goals? What are your legacy goals? And then not just what are your goals, but how are you gathering your life around those goals? It's black coffee moment, man. Solomon, remember now. Um, 10 years ago, um, I um, was introduced to, and I introduced our church to, um, uh, a wife and a husband, Jay, and Catherine Wolf. Um, she had just gone through an incredibly difficult experience, and out of that experience, um, God has used them and their uh, young marriage and their lives as an encouragement to so many. And uh, recently, um, somebody sent me a clip uh, of Catherine speaking to a group of mainly uh, younger um, adults. And uh, man, I just thought, God, that is, that is Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. So take a second here and listen to Catherine. Many in this room have no doubt been through nearly unspeakable tragedies. Hard suffering has come and hit at least the inside of you. For some of us, hard stuff hit the outside early. Maybe not yet. The reality is we live in a world where really hard things happen every day. So there I was as a 25-year-old girl, perfectly able-bodied, no health problems, no medical history of any kind, newly married to my college sweetheart and with a little baby in tow. I was just having a great life, no big issues. And next picture in the middle there is 26 years old massive brainstem stroke out of absolutely nowhere due to a birth defect 
I did not know I had. Um, subsequent to that stroke, a 16-hour brain surgery to save my life, and much great suffering for the next several years. I um, have had 12 major surgeries since my stroke. I've taken numerous extremely bad falls, including one that has left me with a broken leg, broken ribs, um, a torn ACL. I've had just a, a lot of really hard brain stuff. I have ongoing neurological brain issues that they're monitoring. Um, you know, it's, it's been rough. I would love to tell you I had this terrible thing happen to me, but now it's all coming up roses, hallelujah. And that honestly would not be the truth. It's been rough and will likely continue to be rough while I'm on earth. So maybe right now, for all of us, it is worth considering. How do we get to that finish line? What do we want it to look like when we get there? You have stunning capacity to do incredibly hard things. I feel like I'm ignoring you. You have stunning capacity to endure incredibly hard things because of Jesus in your story. You are not nearly as fragile as everything in this world is telling you that you are. You can endure very, very hard things. You know, some people spend their whole lives looking for the miracle, don't they? The miracle in their story. But they miss the miracle right in front of them. Let's look at me. So did I get the miracle? I am profoundly disabled. My hand doesn't work well. My face is paralyzed. I can't walk. I can't drive a car. I have terrible double vision. I'm seeing you guys. And then I'm seeing a blurry image of you guys all up here while I'm talking. I'm deaf in this ear. I could go on and on. I have so many health problems. And yet I survived a massive stroke and should have died. The doctors thought I would never recover. So did I get the miracle? Yeah, yes, I did, absolutely. But you know what? The miracle is that I have eyes to see it that way, that I recognize this is a miracle of God. Guys, we cannot control what happens to us. We cannot, but we have complete control over what now? over how we respond to what has happened to us. Do you know this? We get to decide how we move forward after what stuff happens. We decide how we think about it, how we remember it, how we narrate it, how we carry on after what happens. May you see your life as a good, hard story that God himself is writing. May you open your hands to release old dreams and receive new ones. May you find that the miracle you've been looking for is 
is and has been right in front of you all along. May you accept the stunning capacity you have to endure because of Jesus who endured for you. You can clap for that. <clears throat> she is like a cup of black coffee to us. You are not nearly as fragile as everyone is telling you, as this world and this culture is telling you that you are. Stunning capacity that you have to do incredibly difficult hard things because of Jesus. It's like, how can I do it? Dude, I don't feel like I can do it. Everybody's telling me I can't do it. How do I do it? Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Who for what? Who for the joy that was set before him? What was the joy of Jesus? Relationship with you and me, connecting us in relationship with the Father. Who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross, endured the suffering, endured the cross, did, and what? Despising the shame. Jesus knows what it's like to carry shame. He carried the shame of your sin, the shame of my sin, the weight of our sin, he carried it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And what is sat down? He finished the work that God gave him to do. He endured because of the joy of having relationship with us. You have incredible capacity to endure very hard things as we focus eternally and not just distract ourselves with all of the stuff that is under the sun. When we are above the sun, when we are looking at the full life that God offers us, it's not that stuff doesn't hurt. It's not that we don't have difficult moments. During the night of worship, I was um, standing over here and I, I looked across the stage at the people who were leading us. And I just had this, man, he's been through some tough stuff. She's been through some stuff. You know, and then I looked at the back of the, the, the back of the band. I'm like, well, that's bad. There was, I remember that tough moment and that tough, and all of a sudden just, everybody has tough stuff. It's not that the stuff doesn't hurt. It's not that it's not difficult, but what makes it unique is that when you're connected above the sun, it has meaning and it doesn't get wasted. And listen to me, do not miss the miracle that is sitting right in front of you. a savior who loves you, who died for you, a heavenly father who's willingly given his son for you. And we have the capacity, self-included, to walk around in self-pity and say, well, nobody's got it as tough as me. And nobody, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It absolutely hurts, but it hurts with meaning. When you stand, what Chad said earlier, when you stand on a firm foundation, and the look back legacy will be my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my grandma, my grandpa. Man, they, if you would have seen them endure. And the faith that has come out of them. It's, and yes, black coffee moment for us. Remember now, it is urgent 
This is not something you can do next year. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days draw nigh and you say, I have no pleasure in them. At the 9.30 service this morning, we had a baptism. Brad Collins uh, was baptized because today was a unique day on his calendar when he could make it work. But what we could not have dreamed, I could not have dreamed to bring together is that we had to lift Brad into the baptistry this morning. His friends, um, Steve, helped lift him into the baptistry. He recently had one of his legs amputated. But through that experience, he's come to know Christ. And today he wanted to take that step of going public with his faith because he is remembering now. So, I'm going to pray, and after I'm done praying, we're going to round out this series by singing the song, Firm Foundation. I have joy in chaos. Some of you are in chaos right now. Some of you on the outside, some of you on the inside. I still have joy in chaos. I have peace that makes no sense. But I will not be going under. Why? Because I'm not held by my own strength. Because Christ is our firm foundation. So one of the things that Catherine said, may you open your hands and release those old dreams. And we've all got them, right? Dreams, thoughts, ways that we thought it was all going to work out, and it's not working out that way. Open up your hands and release those old dreams to receive the new ones that God is giving to you. So as I pray, if you are so inclined, if you want to take your hands, open them up, just as a way to say to God, I'm releasing all these thoughts and dreams and all the, about how things were going to go, and I'm receiving what you have for me. Let's pray together. God, we are preparing to sing about a strength that is holding us. Not that we are holding, but that is holding us. And just in the best way that we can, God, we're going to be palms up, palms open people. We're letting go of the ways that we thought everything was going to work out and the ways that we dreamed that things would be and the ways that we were going to make things happen. And we just open up our palms just as a way to say to you, God, those things. We let them go, but we are excited to remember now. We are excited to receive the new dreams, God, that you are placing in our lives and in our hands. And God, somehow we believe and we trust that you're going to help us. You're going to encourage us. You're going to walk with us because of the cross, because you endured in such an incredible way. God, we understand that we can endure anything because of your endurance in our place, and so we receive it, God. As difficult as it may be, we receive it, and we look forward to these new dreams that you are giving us. God, I pray you'll receive our song this morning, not as words, but God, as a prayer from deep in our souls, 
that you are the only thing that lasts, the only thing that matters, and the only place that we will build. In your name we pray. Amen.